right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I had a chance yesterday to talk about the frustration of the four-team playoff with the Bear, Chris Felica, shared with you. And I think uh, we get to OU in about the fourth question. Gabe slides in some conversations as well, too. But courtesy of Big 12 today, we started asking the Bear about his frustration with seeing TCU ranked as low as they were in the first playoff rankings. <laughs> the good thing is that it's the first week of the rankings, and in the grand scheme of things, does it, it doesn't really matter. Probably not. But I was just surprised that the committee had Clemson ranked fourth and TCU seventh, that there was a three-spot gap there, because according to the committee's own rankings, TCU's got two better wins than Clemson has. And they both have the same record. And if you look at, like, efficiency metrics and strength of schedule, TCU's strength of schedule is is a little bit better. You look at the efficiency metrics, TCU's offense is sixth, and Clemson's is 20th, and Clemson's defense is 26th, and TCU's 43th. So it's kind of a, kind of a wash there, the 14th spot and the 17th spot difference. And I, 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 I just don't get how – you are making, I guess basically the committee is saying we are making a football judgment that Clemson is better because TCU is falling behind. But at the same time, you're going to make that judgment that TCU has gotten the benefit of having some backup quarterbacks in the game and coming back to win. And at the same time, didn't that, isn't that what Clemson did against Wake Forest, came back and won a game in overtime? Or isn't that what they did against Syracuse and came back and won a game against Syracuse in a game where there was a couple of questionable officiating calls. So I, I just don't get like how they're coming to that conclusion that right now Clemson should be three spots ahead of TCU. The only, the only, and again, it, it's the committee rankings that you hate saying this, but the only thing I can think of is that before the year, Clemson was ranked in the top ten. People thought Clemson was going to be good, and TCU was unranked. So like, does that sit in the committee's mind? It's not supposed to. I don't know if it did or it did not, but if I look at the two teams on paper and if I look at the two teams on the field, I'm not I'm not sold Clemson is better than TCU. Me neither. And we're having this conversation. Now, obviously, Oklahoma is not a great example because they opened last year undefeated and were eighth in the first poll and had been smoked in some college football playoff appearances, so maybe it's a little different. But I still think you give OU or Texas what TCU has done, they're probably sitting at two in last night's ranking, especially Texas, right? Yeah, I, I, I would think so, too. I, I think that the, the name carries a big weight. Unfortunately, TCU has been down this road before in, in 2014 where they ultimately got jumped in the final week by Ohio State, which I didn't disagree with, with uh, by the way, sure, full disclosure at the time. Uh, but, but, but yeah, it, it's just odd, and then people will jump to a conclusion. Well, why aren't you saying that, that about Clemson? Against uh, TCU being behind Michigan and Alabama, well, I, I think Alabama and Michigan are better than Clemson. So it's like it's kind of the same deal. Like I, I, I can't quite get there for some reason with this Clemson game and team. And I think a lot of it has to do with what we're used to seeing from Clemson from from 2014 to 2020. They were so good and so explosive on offense and so dominant on defense that like what we're seeing now. It's like it's almost hard to fathom. Like we're kind of judging them against their past success. So uh, we'll, we'll see ultimately what happens. But but the ACC is by far the worst of the Power Five leagues. Uh, the, the Big Twelve, I think, from top to bottom, uh, is arguably the, the deepest. It was funny before the year. 
Uh, I, I was talking, and people were talking about who you like in the Big 12. What do you think? And I said, honestly, you could put anybody but Texas Tech uh, in West Virginia in, in like a, in a hat and pull two, two, two names out, and I would, that was the Big 12 championship game, and I would believe it. And, and I think it's reflected in, in the weekly sprints every single week. It seems like all of these games are kind of, kind of within that one score uh, spread of seven, seven and a half, eight. I mean, we, we had a, we had a, what, nine or a 10 with Oklahoma, Kansas a couple of weeks ago, but, but, but there are no free games. I mean, look, even, even Oklahoma last week against Iowa State, which hasn't won a league game in the league, I mean, that, that was not a, uh, a runaway win by any means. We're hanging out with Chris the Bear Felica. Of course, you know him, ESPN Game Day. He is the man who always finds the winning pick. So with that in mind, help me understand Texas then. Just one final thought on this rankings. I know Gabe will jump in on it too. Yeah. But wh- why is Texas still st- showing up in these rankings? And why, Bear, do the computer metrics and ratings love Texas so much? I think it's because of the schedule. I, I-, I think it's because they played Alabama and arguably could have, should have, would have won the game. But isn't that the the the, the story of the Zizki Turkish? Right. I think of lots of 10 losses. I think half of them is at a, a double-digit lead in the second half. And I think it's the, it's the, okay, we can make a judgment on Texas based on what we've seen from them with Quinn Ewers as a quarterback, uh, how different offensively they are. Uh, you know, a little bit of a passing. They lost to Alabama in the game. But he got hurt. If he's in the game, maybe they do win. Um, and they're, they're kind of the anti. We, we talked about maybe Clemson getting get a benefit of the doubt for, uh, for pulling some games out. There, Texas is the opposite. They maybe you give them okay. Well, they didn't win, but they they were in the game. I think the, the the way they view game control and things like that, like being engaged and not getting blown out, I think that goes a long way in the. Uh, and the committee's mind of saying, okay, we, we, we know they've been in every game. They could have arguably won every game. Now, have they? No, but, but I, again, I think, I think Texas is another one of those teams where, like, it just, it doesn't seem like the sum, like the individual, the sum isn't adding up to what they the, all of the individual parts probably should. Bear, I want to circle back to TCU with you because with, you know, how things are looking in the Big Ten with how things are looking in the SEC and, you know, an interesting Pac-12 race as well. It, was it – is it pretty clear now that TCU's got to go undefeated to make the college football playoff? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, and that's unfortunate because, because, I mean, how many Big 12 teams ultimately do wind up running the table – but, but I don't, I think if they do go undefeated, the chances of them getting in are actually really good. Uh, because you know Ohio State and Michigan, one of those teams are going to knock each other off. Uh, you should be rooting. I, I would think for, see, Tennessee, Georgia this week, I would root for Tennessee, I would root for Georgia, uh, and then I would root for Georgia again in the SEC. I would basically root for win the Tennessee Georgia game to beat Alabama. Because that would ultimately would knock another SEC team out, and root for North Carolina to beat Clemson in the ACC title game. Um, they, but none of those results are too far fetched to happen. Obviously, you got to take care of your own business. But I think uh, the, the strength of, of you being you being TCU being undefeated at the end of the year, and comparing them to what would be a one loss Oregon or a one loss USC or a one loss UCLA from the Pac-12, which would be the 
the best possible scenario for their champ, uh, you'd have to give TC the edge. So while you're while you're currently disappointed right now to see where you are, the only way to go is up. And if you continue to win, you're going to do that. And I was talking about this uh, earlier with uh, Greg McElroy as well. Like a lot of times when you see the rankings come out for the for the first time and you really get an idea of where you stand in, in, in the pecking order in terms of the playoff, a lot of times you either you go out and press and weird results and weird things happen. Remember A&M a couple of years, like one of those years went down to Mississippi State and got absolutely blown out when I think they were fourth and people thought they should have been higher. So like the one thing that that that, that, that Sonny Dykes and, and his and his coaching staff is going to have to guard against is like the, the team kind of getting a little worked up and maybe press a little bit this week against the Texas Tech team, which certainly will be able to score some points. But um I, I, it's always I always try and look week one with these rankings. There you go. There's the bear. Well, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what just happened. But there you go. Always try to look at week one of the rankings. I'll get to what he said about OU here in just a second. Do you agree, Josh Helmer? Do you agree that TCU has to win out? in order to make the four-team playoff? See, I do. Where do you stand? There's probably a – there's a scenario, right, that exists where mm-hmm. they don't, and they could be a one-loss Big 12 champion and get in. But it would require a ton of chaos and the likelihood of it let, – let's call it what it is. It ain't going to happen, right? So with that in right. mind – Yes, they need to be undefeated as a Big 12 champion, I think, to uh, to get into this thing. And, you know, that's uh, – you look across the board because of probably the way that the Oregon-Georgia game played out to begin the year. I mean, the Pac-12's in dire straits to get into this college football playoff. They're already at that point to where they need all sorts of help, and uh, that would include TCU losing – for the Pac-12 to be considered as one of the teams to get into this thing. Same thing goes for TCU if they lose, right? Then all of a sudden you open up the Pandora's box where we would have to, you and I would have to sit down and chart a number of different things that would have to happen, I think, for them to get in. I agree. I agree. Can I throw another wrench into this? I I found the the spot where we talked about OU Baylor. I have no idea what just happened to my recording, but it's funny because it cut off right at a point where I wanted to talk to you about this. When when he brings up, like, like, and again, I'm not saying everyone has to be written for TCU. I'm just intrigued by them, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot, right? Some of the Ohio State-Michigan games probably going to be eliminated from this, though when he talks about rooting for Georgia, right, to beat Tennessee then win the SEC championship game, I still then think if Tennessee wins out, there would be a debate for a one-loss Tennessee. We've seen it happen before with Alabama, lost Auburn, still make the playoffs. But the one that would concern me the most, Josh, if North Carolina makes it to the ACC title game and beats Clemson, well, North Carolina's going to be in the conversation for the 14 playoff, especially if they beat the snot out of them too. So um, I – Especially, I'm just I'm thinking of it like a one-loss TCU team in that battle. So I feel like it, it seems wild to say this, but I feel like they have to go undefeated, and that to me is really the only way that they end up in these playoffs right now, and that's the only way the Big Twelve ends up in these playoffs. Agreed. With three SEC teams legitimately jockeying for position to get in, and a couple of Big Ten teams yep. in Michigan and Ohio State that are serious, serious factors. 
And then uh, what you mentioned right there with uh, the ACC, Pac-12 not totally dead, though obviously uh, they would – I mean, then all of a sudden they enter the fray if there's a TCU stumble. So there's a couple even from the Pac-12, right, that are lurking behind if you stumble and trip up. So, yeah, they got to go undefeated. It is what it is. All right. Um, sorry the, the recording cut out. We'll pretend like this is just unfettered. But I asked the Bear, Chris Felica, his thoughts – on OU Baylor and the difficulty in trying to figure out a game like this. I, I like Oklahoma this week. It, it's interesting. I think when when Dylan Gabriel got hurt, I, I, I don't think it only just affected the offense. I kind of think it affected the entire team because I think there was like a, a realization like, oh, crap, we don't have a quarterback. And like I think the whole team kind of felt it. And I think getting him back has really improved – uh, the psyche. Now, their defense obviously still has their issues, and they gave up a ton of yards and points to Kansas. We've been doing that to pretty much everybody this year. But, but I think if you look at Oklahoma, like the, the way the schedule shakes out now, uh, who knows what's going to happen in, in, in the Bedlam game? If, if Oklahoma State will have a bunch of those guys back by the time that game rolls around. But after the way the way the season started in Big Twelve play for Oklahoma to be sitting there, and uh, you could have a legitimate conversation about the possibility of them running out and winning out and going nine and three in the regular season with with a chance to get to ten wins in the bowl game. Like I don't think that's unrealistic to think based on who they have remaining on the schedule. I obviously I expect a very uh, stingier defense uh, this week from Baylor uh, as well. But, but I I kinda like OU right now. I think they present present a lot of problems offensively for uh, for, for Baylor. Well I do actually have a ton of respect for, but uh, I, I, I think oh, you might have this thing turned around uh, moving forward as the year goes on. Now, that's the Barry Chris Felica. Appreciated his time uh, with us yesterday, so that we could bring it to you here on the ref today. But that's it's a positive outlook, Josh. Makes you feel a little bit better about things going forward, right? Sure. And look, uh, I, I tend to agree with some of what he says. I mean. We'll see about the injury situation down the road when it arrives for Oklahoma State. But uh, Oklahoma has kind of started to get back its own reinforcements, right? Billy Bowman's a huge addition for the Sooners on the defensive side of the football. And really, it boils down to this. If Oklahoma finds a way to win here on Saturday, then all of a sudden you look at what's remaining on the schedule and feel pretty confident that Oklahoma can win each of those games remaining. But it, it it just hinges on what happens versus Baylor. If this game on Saturday goes south, then there's going to be a lot of people saying just the opposite. That's right. <laughs> if this thing doesn't go well, it's like, the heck was that bear talking about? He's so clueless. Does he even get a pick right? <laughs> but I love to see the positive attitude going into Saturday's matchup against Iowa State. This I would like to to go back, Josh, at some point, maybe this summer, and just have a show where we think – and, you know, there's still several books to be written. There's still chapters to be written over the next few weeks, right? There's the Baylor chapter to this season, the West Virginia, the OSU, and the Tech chapter, and then we'll see what happens bowl season-wise. But, I mean, I just – I don't know, dude. I I don't know if I've been as intrigued – over a final four-game stretch for a program as I have been in a long time for these final four for Oklahoma. And I just wonder 
what a three-game winning streak can do if the Sooners accomplish this on Saturday. I'm just as intrigued to see what it can do from a positive perspective as that three-game losing streak did from a negative perspective. Last week we were joking about Iowa State. And I just talked about, hey, you had a bye week. A lot of people kind of questioned because Kansas didn't have Jaden Daniels. So, obviously, there was maybe a little bit taken away from that. And the defense gave up, what, 40? So, you know, I thought Iowa State was a big deal to kind of see how they responded to the bye week. And we knew Iowa State had been a tougher team than their record indicated. And, you know, they, they went out and just they suffocated. I know a lot of people were clowning me, saying it's not that big of a deal, it's Iowa State. But this isn't Grandpa's Iowa State Cyclones, even though they're 0 for at the conference this year. Pretty good team. Um, but you are what your record is, so I guess I understand why people would quickly be like, you're making too much of this. But in reality, Josh, they got to go 1-0 every week. And if you want to turn those fan enthusiasm uh, mindset, that fan mindset, that enthusiasm for the future of the program around, you got to go. Um, you got to win these games. And Saturday is is no different. Three-game winning streak, I just think, would be huge based on where we were three weeks ago. Well, and I do think there's an understanding, too, that as Brent Venables touched on in his press conference, three losses for Baylor by what? A combined 20 points? So it's not as though there's that loss on the schedule for the Bears that they've just gotten – they've gotten worked over, right, in the game, that they've gotten blown out or weren't competitive in. This is still a Baylor team that – Though they, like Oklahoma, were one of the Big 12 preseason favorites and they've fallen short of that and they don't resemble that team, at least yet, right? Now, they're not out of the race if they win this weekend in Norman. I I think there's a path for them to kind of control their own destiny if they went out to get back into the Big 12 championship game. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it feels like things are slipping away from the Bears' grasp, grasp a little bit in terms of that. With all of that being said, I do think there's an understanding for from Oklahoma fans that if you win this game, okay, this is a good Baylor team, right? right. Even even if they leave Norman with four losses, this is still a good Baylor team. So this oh, would sure. be this would be the first time in that three game winning streak for Oklahoma to where okay now there's now there's some legitimate optimism happening. Four zero five six five one three four three nine Air Comfort Solutions text line. You can hit us up on the Air Comfort. <clears throat> The Riverwind Casino Jackpot Line, 405-329-9000. Hour 2 brought to you by Allison Insurance. And we are on the road today at Cavens Construction, CavensConstruction.com. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You name it, they take care of it. Mold testing, mold remover, sewage extractions and cleanup, structural drying. They've got you covered, and they're open 24-7, 365. Gary's coming up in just a bit. we got a Thursday night football and a World Series game to preview and much, much more on the Sooners and the Bears right here on The Ref. <laughs> All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Pumped to be joined by Gary Cavins. We were just talking about Cavins heading into the break. This is where we spend our Thursdays. Usually, last week with Jessica's birthday, you are like, can't have Chris here being loud. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I would have done it, that, that. That's Perry's fault. He wants to mix it up a little. That's fine. I get it. You know, uh, Perry doesn't understand how much a horse ownership costs and – Taking food out of a baby girl's mouth. No, I'm totally kidding. To me, I, I like the idea of mixing it up, too, because right, we're all 9 to noon every single day, yes. right? And every Thursday we're here. When you can get the steel man and his audience from noon to two, talk, uh, noon to two talking about what you guys got going on here at Cavens, spread the word, man. I'm all about it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a team effort. Team effort. 
just like it is here. I want to talk about something I walked That's into right. this morning. All right. All right. This was. I don't know if I've ever walked in on one of your morning meetings before, which I'm very sorry. Josh, you should have seen me. I just came trampling in here like I own the place. But just kind of take us through how you guys go about putting together the day because you always are on call 24-7, 365. But you sit down every morning. It's like, okay, where are we? What do you need? And, and it was kind of a cool process to walk into this morning. You know, that is a great question. I'm glad you actually got to walk in and see that. So it felt terrible. Jessica gave me a dirty look. <laughs> so we walk in. I mean, we walk in here in the morning, and we have an executive management team off the bat for the first 30 minutes of the day. Then we have a um, another meeting directly after that with our field staff to give them their assignments today, go over projects and everything like that, and get feedback from them from the previous day of anything that might be left over or mixed. Then after that, I get on the phone and I talk to the Tulsa team and get up to speed with them, go over their projects and everything, and make sure that they're spread out for the day. So our first part of our day, our first, you know, our first 45 minutes of the day is uh, three meetings getting prepared for the day, organized and ready to go. Boom. Like yesterday, so we started the, the morning a little bit later than we normally do. That's why they, you kind of walked in on it, because yesterday we had a huge water loss, Class 2 water loss sewage line. So a contractor, um, we'll leave nameless, um, <laughs> destroyed 40 foot of a sewer line. For Is this a, what's in here in studio? No, not oh, okay, that one. Okay. The 40 foot of a sewer line on a seven-story building in oh, Dell City. And... Um, so the whole first floor backed up with sewage from all the other floors and everything else. So we ended up cleaning all that up, setting drying equipment, and working until, you know, about 7, 7.30 last night, just getting it all set up, all cleaned up um, and cleaned up. But that's, you know, that's what we do. And my day yesterday is I went to Tulsa. I met with some clients out there. I went and checked on a mold job that we have going out there. I went and checked on a couple of maintenance jobs that we had going out there. Then I shot back and arrived at Dell City and helped them coordinate that with Jessica and her team. And then I shot back to the house and started working on paperwork and processing things to get ready for today. So we're always we're always thinking ahead. We're always moving. We're always here to take care of the customer. And we're always communicating with each other. That's awesome. And because that way, hey, if, you know, Amanda has, hey, so-and-so with this, do you, this job was wondering about this or needed to know about, and there's this communication that takes place. I bring it up because you do a lot, but Gary, it's, it's thorough in what you do for everyone. You want to make sure that every uh, structural drying job, um, every time you go out for a mold test, everyone's on the same page and you've had that training and it's, it's really cool to see it kind of in action here today. It is. And every Thursday, I should say. It is. And, you know, earlier this week we had a deal. You know, we don't talk about odor control. Right. But I'm certified in odor control, and I, I tra- I've trained my staff, and we've, we do a lot. We do odor control. So let's say you have a sewage loss. Well, nobody in your business wants to smell that sewer loss. <laughs> right. So part of our services that a lot of people don't do is we do the odor control with cleaning up the sewage loss right same with fire same concept and you know we had a call this week where somebody called me we'll leave them nameless uh (laughs) because i wasn't their first call but that's okay they didn't know (laughs) and um they had decaying rodent in their wall of their basement and it stunk and they've had it for about three weeks it hasn't decayed out yet and i was like yeah, let's get out there. So we did an investigation and everything. We decided it was a, a, a rodent because there's other things that we can cause in the smell. But uh, we did an odor masking, odor absorbing deal to get rid of it because we didn't want to tear open walls because they have guests coming. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. But, you know, we have 
two other systems that we can do to suck that smell out of sheetrock, uh, flooring, uh, furniture, and all that kind of stuff too. And so we have these, we have a massive amount of abilities. You know, if you ever have a, have a problem that's an environmental type problem, water, fire, mold, odor, check out our website or just give us a call and ask us. We can help out in so many ways that can make your life so much easier. You don't have to live in stench. <laughs> All you have to do is call me. Now, you know, if it's, it's because, you know, they're coming home from practice or right. coming home from work and they Stinky just don't boys. want to shower. Right, that I can't help with that one. Uh, but, you know, I can help if you, you know, you don't have to live in stench. You don't have to live in mold. You don't have to live in fire. And you don't have to live in tear gas or crime scene. You know, Cavens it, can call. Yeah, can that's the one that. thing that was amazing to me that I learned. Gary Cavens is with us, CavensConstruction.com, before I let you go, is how in-depth the, the the side of helping out if something had happened that was devastating or even tragic. You guys have been trained. You have the equipment. You can be there. Fire and smoke restoration, as you brought to, uh, up, tear gas, clean up, blood cleanup. But, I mean, these are all things that – you know, kind of add to that resume because you've always had the roofing and you've added the plumbing over the last few years. But to see the commitment to the water extraction, the the disaster cleanup, and more specifically the mold testing and mold removal, I, I my family stayed at a friend's place a couple weeks ago and they were pretty sure there was mold there, and they got sick. I mean, my both my daughters and my yeah. wife got sick. You and I, we told me like, listen, call Gary, call Cavins, let them check them out because. You you mentioned don't list, don't live in stench and filth don't live in unhealthy situations and conditions don't because you're not doing yourself any favor and you know it's that time of year where everything's the leaves are coming down the grass is dying this is the time of year to get your carpets cleaned and your air ducts cleaned for your allergies too yep you know a carpet acts as a filter for a home just the same as an air filter for the and so having them clean is important and having those air ducts clean too but you know I mean for over the last two weeks we've done tear gas we've done sewer losses we've done mold jobs we've done uh, multiple water losses uh, and multiple water testings, you know, from Blanchard to Tulsa to Dell City, Oklahoma City, Norman, we can help you. Uh, we have a, a team up there in Tulsa that is doing outstanding work. I'm really proud of what we're accomplishing up there in that market. Uh, Norman, we've been here for a long time. We're established in the market. Everybody knows what they're getting when they call Cavens. Tulsa's learning that now, and the outreach has been outstanding. I mean, we just uh, couldn't be happier up there helping everybody out in every way we can. Uh, I've been up there um, personally two days last week and two days this week, and I'm going up there again Friday. Nice. So. Get a man. Gary, thanks for the time, buddy. We appreciate it. And that number in Tulsa, by the way, 918-282-7612 in Norman and OKC 573-3048. Hey, one thing before we go. Go ahead. Let's talk about that pipe up. Oh, there. no, yeah, go ahead. So uh, you brought in a prop today, which I'm very I grateful. I did. For. I brought in a prop. It doesn't work on very very well on the radio, but, you know, it works for me and Chris. But the, <laughs> the that pipe up there is a, a mainline sewer pipe to a building that was close to Campus Corner that was hit about a month ago by a directional driller, by a directional driller. They couldn't, and basically the lines were always stopping up, always needing to be clean. We cameraed the lines. We found the issue. We dug it up. We repaired it. We pulled our permits. We did everything we were supposed to, and it is, it's, it's fixed now. But that's something to be aware of out there. If you have directional drilling by your house and you start having sewer problems after it, there's a chance they may have hit your line. So you need to call, have a Cavens or another plumber come out and camera your line and check it out. So they're they're having problems like this. 
that is a massive hole that was in that pipe yeah, you guys big. found. Yeah, I mean, it's they almost knocked, they almost took it in half. They, wow, it's it's pretty big. But you know, if you have problems after you know something like that's been done, it's always good to have a camera uh, ran through your system and just checked out. Good call. Thanks, Gary. We appreciate right. it. Thank you. When we come back, we'll hit your text next right here on The Ref. Josh, I'm shook. I'm shook. When I was a little kid, I, I've, I have a lot of people that will ask me, how is a St. Louis kid? I claim St. Louis, even though I was from Wood River, Illinois. Proud 618-er. How does a... St. Louis kid end up as a diehard Raider fan. And I don't really have an answer. I don't know. Right? I know, I guess Toby would consider me bandwagon, right? Because I'm not from Vegas or Oakland or, or Los Angeles. But, but I feel like I've got a pretty good 43, 44 year track record here. And somehow, I don't know how to explain it, but in this 20 year le- like level of suck, I've become like a bigger fan. It doesn't make any sense. But show context here. Whenever I was a little kid, my my dad and I would play football in the living room or whatever, and I would always be Marcus Allen trying to jump over my dad to land on the couch and score a touchdown. Right? He had the big tan couch. He block it. He's like, all right, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go Marcus Allen and jump over the top. But when we'd play catch outside, it was always he was throwing to Dave Casper or my dad was a punter in high school. So he loved to punt, and he thought I could be a punter. And then we quickly realized I have no athletic ability. But we'd still go outside and have fun, and when he'd punt, he's like, oh, you got to do it like Ray Guy. So from my youth – and my dad wasn't a Raiders fan either, but it was always and, – and Ray Guy played with Marcus Allen, but his career preceded him too. But it was always uh, a pass to Dave Casper or Todd Christensen his tight ends, Marcus Allen trying to go over Pops defending the goal line there on the couch, or Ray Guy. And, Josh, I'm shook this morning to hear that Ray Guy has passed away. The only punter in the history of ever that was drafted in the first round Southern Miss grad, Hall of Famer, if I'm not mistaken, the only punter in the Hall of Fame. I think Jan Stinnerud, and what we added another kicker a couple years ago as well. But R.I.P. Ray Guy. Now, in fairness, dude always looked kind of sickly to me. I don't know if that's – is that okay to say, Josh, when someone passes away or no? Is that too soon? Uh, I Maybe, but – Okay, all right. You're not you're I just shall saying amend that. historically – Kind of looked that way. Right. Historically, every time I'd see Ray Guy, I'm like, is he doing okay? But Ray Guy, R.I.P. He lived. He won lived three a, Super Bowls. Oh, he lived a, full life, man. Lived a good life, right? I mean, any more 72 is getting, getting younger, right? Because, That's true. Because uh, life expectancy uh, has, has gotten longer. But, I mean, man, I think most people would say, right, if you lived to 72 and – you feel pretty on, good. Yeah, I mean that's that's better than better than most. Even though seventy two so, is like creeping up on me, where I'm like, gosh, seventy two. It's let me get. I'm still I'm still close to fifty, so I'm not trying to get too carried away. But when I see seventy two, I'm like, ooh, that's young. 
But then again, my man Ray Guy does does look like he may have been burning a few heaters every now and then. So, RIP, man. Ray Guy. One of my favorites growing up. So, remembering a legend today, I will take all of your punting calls at 405-329-9000. But something tells me that's not why Bill is checked in on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Good morning, Bill. How are you on this gorgeous Wednesday? Uh, Thursday. Good morning. Uh, quick, it's, it's going to be a red wave, 35-21. Are we talking about Election Tuesday, or are we talking about Saturday in Norman, well, Bill? It's going to be a red wave both ways, but gotcha. on Norman Saturday, 35-21. <laughs> Can we say Crimson Wave just so this show doesn't get too political? Let me ask you something, Bill. You are, in my, and I say this a lot, you know I love you, but you're, you can be somewhat critical when need be. You've stayed incredibly positive through this, which has kind of blown my mind a little bit. What's kind of kept you positive about Oklahoma? I just think it's this first year. You've got to give the man some time. He doesn't have all his players that he's going to get in here, and – I think it's a good thing that we're not going to the SEC until twenty SEC until twenty twenty five and give Brent some time to get a lot of his kids in here or in his system. I uh I love you positively, Bill. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate Let me it. Ask, oh go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think Texas is gonna lose three games. A and M's gonna lose three games. Who's gonna get fired? Okay, this is a good question, Bill. Thanks for your phone call. Josh, A&M loses three more games. Texas loses three more games. I would say, in my opinion, (laughs) the fact that Arch Manning is in the fold at Texas does a lot to save Steve Sarkeesian. Now, what's funny is if you were to rewind, rewind, rewound? Rewind. If you were to go, rewind. If you were to go back three years ago, we are probably saying the same thing about Quinn Ewers being a security blanket for Tom Herman. And what ended up happening? Ewers decommitted, ended up at Ohio State. The rest is history. I also think that $80 million, as long as we don't end up in a situation where they find some NCAA violations, which I'm on Team Travis on this one, I absolutely agree 100%. You know that they've got investigators trying to find any any alleg- illegalities out there anywhere involving the um, involving the, the Texas A&M football program. Even if they lose their final games, Josh, I think both are back next year. Your thoughts? I definitely think Jimbo's back unless, I mean – Unless you've just got the the richest uh, who cares boosters of all time, well, right? They, they might. Yeah, and and they do have a good good bit of that, and it's not, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that yeah they lose three of these final four, right? Florida, that's right. At Auburn, uh, Massachusetts, they'll win that one, and then uh, wait, wait, hold on. So, so I was trying to pull up the A and M schedule because I've got the Texas one up. What's the final three games at A and M? The final four games four, excuse me. are Florida at Auburn, UMass versus LSU. So I mean, it's they'll probably. I mean, it's a good chance they lose two of the four, and right. it's not crazy that they lose every single one of those SEC games. Here's a question I would have. 
for A&M fans, if, if, if you're listening as an A&M fan or if you're one of those Kruten gurus that tends to be understanding of every single nuanced, insane, insane field thought of Texas A&M fans, do they have their guy? Like, in other words, is there this dude that everyone looks at, like Auburn used to look at Bobby Petrino, right? It was always thought that Bobby Petrino at Auburn, that's the guy. I I use basketball analogies a lot in this, and I go back old school, uh, really, really old school. Everyone everyone thought Kentucky eventually was going to be where Tubby Smith coached or that Kansas was eventually going to be where Bill Self coached, even in their stops. Buzz Peterson, Tennessee, was eventually going to be where he coached. Like, is there – because you talk about the craziness of the boosters, right? And I'm sure that – they would find a way to negotiate it down a bit, but is there that is there that diamond in the rough? Is there that I don't even know if it would be in the rough, Josh, but is there that crown jewel that Texas AM wants to run their program? Maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. There's just there's such a buyout in between that uh happening, right? I mean it's maybe I just need to remove the thought of eighty million dollars being an obstacle, right? Well, I, I guess here's my question about A&M to, to Bill's question. They're not going to lose all four games because they're going to beat UMass, and I, I think Auburn's going to have that one-game bump, and then they're going to realize, oh, we don't have any good players. A&M at least has good players. But I just never knew if they're I, – I would say, for instance, whenever Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma – I think automatically, knowing that Bob Stoops wasn't going to come back and coach Josh, I think automatically the guy everyone wanted was the guy they got, right? You wanted Brenton Venables. He was here at the turnaround, did an incredible job, has won championships. Um, I would say that would have been a guy everyone wanted. Sure. When the reality of, oh, my gosh, Lincoln's leaving finally set in. I guess my question would be, is there that – Brent Venables to Oklahoma guy that A&M fans have their hearts set on. And I don't know if there is. Because if there is, and the boosters are all in on it, then, Josh, there might not be a price that they're not afraid to pay. I mean, we're talking about dudes that deal in, deal in the Bs and not the Ms. And I'm not talking about BMs. I'm talking about billions as opposed to millions. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't, I don't know enough about uh, their situation or – you know, different candidates. I don't know if there's a Brent right. Venables out there okay. for them right now. See, so the other thing then on Texas, Kansas State this weekend in Manhattan, where somehow they're a favorite, then they're home for TCU, then at Kansas when Jalen Daniels should be back, and home for Baylor. Bro, that's a beast of a four games left. If they go five and seven again, Oof, and you end your season on a five-game losing streak? Yeah, I don't know, dude. Maybe there will be reevaluated conversations about where they are. But I do think that – I think having Archie Manning saves them. You agree? Yeah, it helps. It definitely okay. helps. No doubt it does. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's wrap our – Two with your Air Comfort Solutions text. We got Joey Helmer coming up right after the top of the hour and our top five stories of the day. Josh has promised a high school football preview for tonight. 
as part of our Newcastle Casino Top 5 Stories of the Day. So a busy final hour and ten minutes of the program coming up right here on The Ref. <laughs> I learned I learned something during the break. Apparently my attempt to re-image the red wave as the crimson wave was not a good decision, Josh. Apparently I have to retire that forever and ever. Indeed, yeah, probably so. Were you aware of this um, or no? Yeah, I think I was, but I didn't think of it when you said it. I was never heard of that before in my life. To this day, I've never heard of it. Thank you, Jesse, for looking out. I, I don't want to get canceled. Actually, though, I don't think that would be a cancelable offense, Josh, because I was trying to steer things back to a neutral political ground, right? Indeed. Fair? Indeed. You were looking out. Yeah, don't Google it. Don't Google it. Uh, for the 405. Me and my mom went to the OU Baylor game last year in Waco, and apparently they don't learn how to count at Baylor because they rush the field with three seconds left. Please, let's not rush the field Saturday if we knock off Baylor. Bro, that was one of the wildest situations I've ever been a part of in my life. And, and on a side note, it was probably because there were still concerns about COVID, Late, and there were still concerns today. I'm not trying to minimize that. But it's like I got really sick last year before the Baylor trip. Like thinking about maybe I might, maybe I might not go. And I have, we had a basketball game that day. We had a lot going on that day, and uh, or that that Friday before we took the trip on Saturday. But I'll just I'll never forget the anger of of Joe C, the administration, and everyone. It was wild. It was why I was protecting Isaiah Thomas as we walked off the field. Yeah, but I don't think you have to worry about that on Saturday. No one's storming the field if they beat a mediocre Big 12 team. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the top five stories today and Joey Helmer.